the rivalry is back on. 1% better every day and 1-0. and 0. Set is the quarterback lined up behind center, takes a snap, going for a home run deep downfield, looking for T.Y. Hilton. Hilton makes the catch. He's at a 10, 5, stumbles in the end zone, touchdown. Both coming with pressure off the edge. Kenny Moore gets to Deshaun Watson. That's a sack for Kenny Moore. Kenny has a pick and now a sack in the game. The horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. What's going on, Colts Nation? It's your boy, Derek Larger, again. I'm going to be your host for this podcast. Andrew is joining me again, so thank you, Andrew. Uh, This week, it is officially the first week of the NFL. I know everyone else is excited. We definitely are very excited for this season to finally get underway. First game is obviously the Packers versus Bears Thursday night. That'll be a good warm-up, and then obviously we have the Colts game on Sunday at 4.05 against the Chargers, where we go to L.A. to look for our first win of the year. Now, before we begin talking about that game, we wanted to kind of talk a little more about the quarterback situation, where everyone was wondering, why did uh, Brian Hoyer get a three-year, $12 million deal And yet we had Jacoby Brissett having pocket change. Well, for some reason, everybody was freaking out about Brian Hoyer getting that much money. I didn't understand it. And I know Andrew will explain it a little more. But obviously, Colts Nation, we we spoke out about Brissett needing an extension. And apparently Ballard uh, heard us because he signed Brissett to his own extension a few days later, saying giving him a two-year, $30 million extension. It's also being reported that Brissett had uh, put uh, made that deal himself. He doesn't have an agent, and you can read my thoughts on that on Twitter. I kind of already talked about how uh, how that went as well because that's what Ballard always does. He has the prove it contracts. Everybody that is on this team needs to prove their worth, and when they are, then you get paid. But either way, I think Colts Nation as a total. Uh, for the most part, has kind of gone past the depression stage now that Andrew Luck's been gone. It's now been two weeks since Andrew Luck has, you know, been officially gone from the team. And now everybody's kind of had time to kind of get their emotions out, get some clarity. And seeing as what uh, this team and Chris Ballard have said about uh, Jacoby Brissett and how they trust him. They know that he's going to come in and he's going to do just fine. And this team is going to do just fine has made me feel a little bit better about Jacoby Brissett as total thinking of some realistic expectations for him about some of the numbers that he could put up, which definitely will be okay, I think. And then obviously getting Brian Hoyer as a backup to back him up and then Chad Kelly possibly coming back in two weeks after his suspension uh, we'll have we'll have a good quarterback room, but Andrew, I just wanted to ask you in regards to you know Jacoby Brissett and Brian Hoyer, how how much more confident are you now in what Jacoby Brissett, Brian Hoyer, this quarterback group can do, and more importantly, like what do you think Brissett can do for this team going forward now? 
You bring up some very valid points, Derek, but I'm going to start with the Brian Hoyer contract, similar to yourself. Uh, it's a three-year, $12 million deal, as most Colts fans know, with $9 million guaranteed. Uh, let me just speak on this. Brian Hoyer is a very, very solid veteran uh, in the NFL and has been for quite some time, and there are a lot of teams that he's been with, the Patriots, the Browns, and they all have nothing but but high things and have done nothing, I should say, but praised him uh, while they were on those respective teams, or while he was on those respective teams, I should say. And when you look at the contract in itself, uh, as I said, three years, $12 million, $9 million guaranteed, to me, that's not really saying much. Or that doesn't really show much in terms of the Colts uh, cap room and cap space. And I'm talking about the cap space that they'll have going into next season, not the cap space that they currently have. So ultimately, Derek, I really like the Brian Hoyer contract. And then let me switch to the Jacoby Brissett contract. As most fans know, probably by now, it's a two-year, $30 million deal. And I think this could potentially be something really, really fantastic. And here's why. You look at the contract in itself, two years, $30 million, as I just said, and you think, hypothetically speaking, what if Bursette goes out this season and absolutely just balls out, let's say 40 touchdowns over 4,000 yards, and then he's on the hook for two years and $30 million rather than five or six years and $100-plus million. So this is a very team-friendly contract, Eric, and I think it's going to, as I said, really benefit the Colts going forward if Bursette plays well then you look at it from the flip side of things too you know even if he doesn't really play well and he kind of maybe underachieves or doesn't really exceed expectations or however you want to put it the contract isn't something that's going to affect the cap quite a bit like i said it's not one of those big contracts it's five years hundred million dollars it's a two-year 30 million dollar deal and like i said if he doesn't play well or he kind of underachieves going into the season or for the season i should say then you're not stuck for the next four or five years. You have the ability to, okay, two years, $30 million, that's solid for a decent backup, and then we can look into the draft going forward if needed. Yeah, and now that we kind of talked a little bit about the quarterback situation, now let's get a little bit into week one against the Chargers. Now, this has been a little a bit of a roller coaster for me emotionally when it comes to this game. When I first saw the Colts schedule and I saw this game, Immediately, I came out and said that we were going to lose this game because the Colts always seem to struggle early in seasons, uh, and that's not just an Andrew Luck thing. That's just kind of how it's been over the last 10 years. And going on the road to L.A. to play a very good team in the Chargers in their own place definitely is a tough challenge for any team that comes in. But now, now that we've seen over the offseason – some of the obstacles that have come in the way of the Chargers. I'm as confident now about this team when possibly winning this game as can be. Because obviously we know that Melvin Gordon is obviously not going to play. Melvin Gordon is still searching for that trade opportunity, which a lot of people keep seeming to think it's going to be the Colts. I, there's no way there is no way that Chris Ballard's going to make that deal for as much money as Melvin Gordon wants. Sorry, just not going to happen. Especially, he's not giving up a first-round pick for a running back. No way. And and sorry, I got off topic there. But now we also know that some of their offensive linemen are out. We know that Derwin James, their star young safety, is out for this game as well. 
I think they even had a defensive lineman that's going to be out too. So they are banged up. This is a Chargers team that is going to come into this game banged up. Uh, They are going to obviously struggle on the offensive line. Uh, They're going to, and with no, with their number one running back not playing, their number one safety not playing, and a couple of O linemen not playing, there are a bunch of guys that are going to have to step up, and we're going to talk about that here in a minute. But in regards to the winning aspect of this game, it's hard for me to still sit here and say, I will say this, and I'll say it openly. If if Andrew Luck was leading this team, I would be pretty confident that we could go in and win this game week one. I'm just going to say that, Colts Nation. And as much as we don't want to talk about it, I think that's true for everyone that wants to think about it. Just no, with Brissett right now, I don't know where this offense is right now. Further down the field or further down the line in the season, we'll know just how good Jacoby Brissett has been and how efficient Jacoby Brissett will be, but it's still going into a hostile place. Jacoby Brissett's first start of the season. We just don't know how the offense is going to look. So it's hard for me to sit here and say that I think the Colts are going to win because truthfully, as much as I want to say they will win, I don't believe that they will win in this situation because I still know how good the Chargers can be because they still have Austin Eckler out of the backfield who's a pass-catching uh, running back for certain. They're going to have Keenan Allen. You still have Phillip Rivers who has the ability to throw the ball as many times as he wants. We know that's what the Chargers are going to do. The Chargers are going to want to throw the football probably 50 or 60 times in that game, to be completely honest with you, with how bad their offensive line looks. I could easily see Rivers throwing the ball 50 times because he has a lot of those games under his repertoire. And even with Derwin James being out in the secondary, this this Chargers team is still full of good pass rushers. Just hopefully our offensive line is up to the task. Now, in regards to the win and or the loss, I do think that the Colts have a chance to win this game. I still think they do. I think they come in and they, they play a really good game. But ultimately, I just have seen so many games start out the same way over the last seven years with this Colts team that I just don't know if I can definitively sit here with confidence and say they're going to win this game, even though more the more complete roster, you could probably say it's the Colts at the moment, but just with the top-end talent that the Chargers have and being at home, I think ultimately they still have the edge, but of course I'm still going to be rooting hardcore for them, and I think that this Colts team does have a chance, and I, I really am hoping they prove me wrong. So, Andrew, what are you, what are you looking at? Or uh, Do you think Colts are going to win this game, or do you think they're going to lose? Those are some very solid points, Derek. However, I'm going to go in the opposite direction here. I think that the Colts have the chance to go in and absolutely beat the brakes off the Chargers. And some of you might be scratching your heads and think that I'm the craziest person on the planet right now. Allow me to explain myself. Let me start with the position groups for the Colts and Chargers. When you break it down, other than quarterback and maybe the secondary, specifically the safeties, the Colts have the better roster. They have the better offensive line. It's not even close. They have the better receiving core. Yes, I'm saying T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell and Devin Funches, and that includes the tight ends, is better than Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry. Call me crazy. 
they're better. And they're not better because of who they are as players. They're better because of the offensive scheme. They're better because of Frank Reich as a coach and the way that he's able to scheme them open and uplift their game. And then you go to the defensive side. No Derwin James. The linebacking corp is very suspect for the Chargers. And the defensive line with Jerry Tillery, the rookie, Brandon Meebame, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, although it was extremely solid, again, in my opinion, you're going up against the best offensive line in football statistically last season, who allowed, remember, just 18 sacks last season. Remember, the other thing, too, they allowed, they went, I think it was five games, five, without allowing a sack. That's unheard of. That just doesn't happen. Those are some good points, Andrew. And one thing I did want to mention is I want to kind of talk about which position groups are the most important for a win in this in this game specifically. And I think we kind of already mentioned the one, and that involves the defensive line. I think you and I can definitely agree there that the defensive line in this game has to have one of the best games of the year, they have to set the tone early. We keep saying it with this offensive line as decimated as it is and as inexperienced as it is for the Chargers right now. The the Chargers are not going to look to run the ball that much. They are going to try to run it at times, but that is not the forte of Austin Eckler and some of their backups. Austin Eckler is a pass-catching guy. They're going to want to throw the football. I don't know how many games that Phillip Rivers has in his career where he's thrown 50 or more passes, but I think among active quarterbacks, I think he easily has the most. I think there's some games where he actually has 60 passes thrown in a game. I think this could ultimately be one of those games. I think that the defense... Eberflus really has to get a system in that is going to pressure Phillip Rivers. You have to make it difficult on him. Because as good as Kenny Moore is, and as good as Pierre Desir is, and all that, they're going to need to make sure they lock down Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's going to be out there, and he's going to ball out. You're going to have to really hope that somebody is going to be able to lock him down. They might have to double cover him most of the game. And now that they lost Tyrell Williams from their roster... Their second best guy is going to be, you know, Mike Williams. And then Hunter Henry is a, a decent option as well. It, it, Colts are really going to have to get a defensive uh, front. The defensive line really has to get pressure on this quarterback almost every time. And, and they need to work on the blitzes. And obviously, we haven't seen a lot of blitzes in the preseason because Eberflus and Frank Reich have both already said they're not going to use their full uh, playbook. I'm sure Eberflus has the same idea as us. He knows that this offensive line for the Chargers is going to struggle and they're going to want to get the ball out of Phillip Rivers' hands quickly. So ultimately, that's what you need to do. Get pressure on Phillip Rivers early. Make him struggle. Get those early three and outs. And then you could pretty much hope that the Colts' offense will be able to score a few points if you're able to put them in a good position. Because that's ultimately what this is, is it's getting... Jacoby Brissett put in good spots to be able to make him feel more confident that we can go out there and we can perform. 
because this is a confidence booster. And then the other position group that I'm going to be looking at to step up in this game is, again, is going to be the running backs. I think that with, obviously, Jacoby Brissett being uh, new to this starting role now for this year, I think that Frank Reich is aware that even though they have uh, confidence in Brissett to throw the ball down the field, I think ultimately Frank Reich also will admit that to get Brissett started and get him to have more confidence, he's going to need to throw the short routes, right? He's going to have to get those small yardage throws out there, kind of get the arm going a little bit, get the blood flowing, and then you start going deep. That's where Naheem Hines comes in. And that's where Marlon Mack comes in, where he he needs to run the ball behind that offensive line. They need to get yardage. Now, the Chargers haven't always been a great run-stopping defense. They've been a pretty decent uh, pass-rushing team. You obviously know with Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa on the outsides, that's one of the best uh, pass-rushing duos in the NFL right now. But you need to be able to run the ball. And... I mean, obviously the Colts offensive line hasn't had a lot of time to work in the preseason, we know. But right now, this pretty much this entire team is healthy. We need to go out there. We need to run it down their throats, give Jacoby Brissett more freedom to not get hit, and we need to start uh, doing more of the, the running back screens and the outs and everything that makes it easier for Jacoby Brissett. I'm not wanting to handicap Jacoby Brissett for this game, obviously, but... In order for him to get the confidence and for him to uh, get a feel for the game better, because ultimately that's what this is, we need to be able to throw those short stuff, get him going, and then when that happens, then you have the openness to throw the ball down the field. So the two positions, like I said, are that I'm looking to uh, step up in this game has to be the running backs and the defensive linemen. Andrew, what are some position groups for this game that you need, you think needs to step up? Some very valid positional groups indeed, Derek. Uh, but I'm actually going to, for my first one, go with the Colts secondary. And here's why. Of course, we know from last season, Matt Eberflus likes to run that Tampa 2 defensive scheme, that bend but don't break, and the pass rushers you mentioned with Danico Autry and more specifically the defensive line has to really play well and play effectively in order for the defensive secondary to do its job. But when you look at the Colts cornerback room, Pierre Desir played really, really well against some of the better receivers you know, Amari Cooper and DeAndre Hopkins are just a couple of examples. Kenny Moore is arguably, in my opinion, the best slot corner in football. And then you have a rookie in Rocky Sin who I think has a chance to go out and start right away in week one. And for my second positional group in terms of who I would like to see play well or step it up going into this game, I'm going to go with the Colts offensive line. And let me start by breaking down the Chargers defensive line. As Derek mentioned, you have Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, one of the better pass rushing duos in football. You have a rookie in Jerry Tillery out of Notre Dame who the Chargers are very high on. He showed some exceptional flashes in the preseason. Then you have the veteran in Mee And of course, we know what he can bring to an already stout and aggressive defensive line. For linebackers, uh, Concern me somewhat. I don't think they're as good as the Colts linebackers. However, I will say that the Colts offensive line is certainly going to have their hands full. And if they can keep Brissett clean and open up running lanes for Naheem Hines and Marlon Mack, then I think the Colts offense has a chance to go in there, especially without a player as important as Derwin James, to go in and really surprise a lot of people. And another position group that I think we need to really look at is also the tight end group. We obviously know how deep this tight end group is, probably the most tight, uh, the biggest and best 
tight end group in the NFL right now. We obviously know what Jack Doyle can bring, and we know what Ebron brought last year. And you have a couple other guys in Moali Cox and Hale Hentis uh, that can go out there and just straight up ball. It's it's going to be interesting too to see how they use him them now. Excuse me. With Andrew Luck now being gone, it's going to be interesting to see who Jacoby Brissett favors more. You're going to uh, see if he favors throwing the ball to Eric Ebron or Jack Doyle. And ultimately, since we're talking about the Colts' offensive line protecting Jacoby Brissett, it would not uh, surprise me if you know they tried to not use the tight ends as much in the deep pass game and prefer to use guys like Jack Doyle to block, help block uh, guys like Joey Bosa or Melvin off the outside edge. Uh, not specifically for Costanzo's sake. I think Costanzo would be okay, but they might do it for Braden. Uh, you might see Jack Doyle lined up on the right side of the line, uh, helping with, you know, uh, hinging and keeping making sure that Bosa or Ingram do not get the outside edge. I think that could be definitely something we'll see. And you could see more of Eric Ebron in this game rather than Jack Doyle, just due to how deep this defensive line for the Chargers is. Like I said, if we can... If we can stop this defensive line, if we can keep them from getting pressure to percent and we can block them, then the, the, and the linebacker position for the Chargers is not very good, not not nearly as good as ours. So that's the thing. We need to get into that middle of the middle of the field. We need to get to that second level when Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines and whatever wide receiver can get to that second level. That is where the Colts will win. They need to win it in the trenches, and they need to be able to get to that second level where we can make the Chargers pay. All right, and so the last thing we're going to do to top off this episode for the week one review is kind of talk about two players that we are both wanting to kind of look at this week and see what they can do to bring an immediate impact to this team. The first one of mine is going to be Paris Campbell. I said that in week four for the Bengals game. And sure enough, in the few catches that he had, he definitely put on a show for the one where he showed off his tremendous speed. And Zach even Zach Kiefer uh, actually talked about Paris Campbell today and says that you shouldn't expect a limited workload for Paris Campbell Sunday. Says his hamstring is great. And Frank Reich said he's impressed at how quickly he's uh, picked up the scheme. So don't be shocked if he gets some good amount of playing time. That would be great for me. I would love to see that. Uh, I've been high on Paris Campbell. I want to see what he can do and what Frank Reich is going to, how Frank Reich is going to use him in this system. And again, it's another way of helping Bursette with those under routes, possible jet sweeps, and stuff like that. Stuff that'll throw the Chargers off balance and get the ball out of Brissett's hands quickly. And another guy on the defensive side of the ball for me that I'm looking at is Danico Autry. Like I mentioned before, defensive line needs to step up. Well, Colts Nation has been saying, Danico Autry, you had you had nine sacks last year, nine, ten sacks last year. We expect more from you this year. You were a beast. You didn't have all the time in the world in an offseason to get implemented into this team. Well, now you're you're implemented, man. You're our D-line guy. Ignore the Justin Houston stuff for a second. I think Danico Autry is the future D-lineman for this team. And I want to see Danico Autry dominate in the middle. It starts with him. If he dominates in the middle, 
and Philip Rivers can't uh, throw the ball up the, uh, in the middle, and they can't run the ball in the middle. I want it to be Danico by Danico Autry's hand. I want to see Autry eat that offense alive on Sunday. So those are the two players that I'm looking at for this game. Andrew, who are your two? All right, so my first player, I'm actually going to go with a rookie as well, Derek, but I'm actually going to go to the defensive side of the ball. And I'm going to go with Rocky Sin. Surprise, surprise. Here's why. First of all, coming out of Temple, he was a very, very solid man-to-man corner. When you're going against wide receivers that are as dominant as Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are, you have to be able to beat them at the line of scrimmage. You have to be able to make sure that they don't get past you. And Rocky Sin is not afraid to get up close and personal with an opposing receiver. I mean, we saw him ball out in training camp. We saw him with the tremendous pick six against Devin Funches, where one of the defensive personnel ran up and hugged Chris Ballard afterwards. And he did that because he knew that Chris Ballard yet again found somebody that has a chance to be potentially really, really, really special and rock you sin. And I think that Matty Eberflus is not going to be afraid to put you sin out on an island against either a Keenan Allen or a Mike Williams week one and let him do what he does best. And that's be a physical shutdown man-to-man corner who excels in man but can play really well in zone two. I think this is Jacoby Brissett's big opportunity. I think this is the moment that he's waited for, and I think it's here, and it's now, and it starts week one. Great stuff, Andrew. Great stuff. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Cody Felger Podcast where we talk about week one. We are really hoping that the Colts start out this season week one, and I know all of you will definitely be watching. Uh, Be sure to follow us on Twitter. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. Thank you all so much for listening in. Uh, Happy first week of the NFL. And as always, go Colts.